0: Something that uh, uh, I think is, is meaningful to me and Clara, we were watching, we like to watch Sid Roth, because he has a lot of good uh, shows of miracles and healings, and what God's doing today, and people have been to heaven, been to hell, and so it really stretches you sometimes. And uh, we were watching, uh, and we're sitting on the couch, watch, watching the praying medic being interviewed by Sid Roth, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, he's going to be your next speaker at your chapter. We were just starting this chapter about five or six years ago. And I'm like, you know how you argue with the Lord and you're like, <laughs> I said, Lord, you know, we got a little baby chapter we just started. We don't have any money in the bank. and uh, And this guy probably lives in Detroit, Michigan or Miami, Florida. We don't have the money to bring him up and... I didn't know how back then he was anonymous he he nobody knew his name and so because he was still working in the med in the uh paramedic and so uh I'm like well how do you get a hold of him and so I uh, I thought well he does have a Facebook page so I sent him a messenger and he came back I said I said where do you live he said in Gilbert Arizona so anyhow, and I said, well, Lord said you're going to be our next speaker. He said, okay. <laughs> so oh, anyhow, he spoke in our chapter. This is probably four or five, six times. And, uh, and we always you know, have a, have a good meeting and see people emotionally be healed or physically be healed. And, and uh, he, he's got you know cutting edge Things going on in the spirit realm, and uh, so all of us have benefited by his ministry. So, anyhow, Dave, we want to, Dave Hayes, we want (laughs) to welcome you to another meeting. I brought notes. (laughs) (laughs) You want to stand? You want to, or just. Is there a stand here? Well, this one here. Well, I can get you a photo. Nah. Uh, I can see if I can get a photo.
1: No, you know what? That'll work. Work? Okay. Yeah. Adapt, improvise, and overcome, right? (laughs) 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 All right. Are you ready to get healed? cool, because I want you to get healed. Uh, So thank you, Tim, for having me here again. Uh, Tim loves to tell a story about the last time, no, it was the first time we did the healing rooms with the emotional healing, 2015, it was the second time, oh my gosh, I was in bed for three days after that. We, we did a session where we taught just on emotional healing and got people healed of emo- tr- emotional trauma from their past. And I was in bed for three days afterward. Uh, it took so much out of me just doing the healing for other people. And I'm not the one that does the healing, Jesus is. Tim loves telling that story and I'm like, you don't know how much that like wrecked my life for a few days and that particular incident back in 2015 or 2016 whatever it was taught me something important about the ministry of healing and the Lord had been speaking to me on this issue for a long time and that is that it is um, it's more efficient to teach people how to heal than to be the man on the platform who has to pray for 300 people to be healed. And today I'm going to teach you how to heal. If you listen to what I tell you today, and if you practice the things that you're going to learn, you will work miracles. All right, but first we're going to lay a foundation. So a little bit of my history, I'm a former atheist. Uh, I was an atheist until I was 38 years old. And I wasn't just your, I just don't believe in God. I was hostile and antagonistic toward Christians especially. I hated them and I mocked them. And then God got a hold of me. And my life has never been the same since then. Uh, In 2008, I was working as a paramedic and I had a dream one night where I met God and he said, I want you to pray for your patients. I'm going to show you what's wrong with them and when you pray for them, I'll heal them. I did not believe in healing and miracles at that time. I had been for seven years going to a church that taught that healing and miracles ceased in the first century. And God said, no, I'm still healing people and I'm gonna do it through you. So I didn't believe in healing and miracles. I was full of doubt, skepticism, and unbelief. But God said, start praying for your patients, so I did. Uh, I prayed for every patient I transported over over a period of time. Uh, Lord, if it's your will, please heal this little old lady of her frozen shoulder. God, if it's your will, Let this person be healed. I was begging God to heal people and nobody got healed. I had that dream in August of 2008. I did not see anyone healed until July of 2009. I went almost an entire year praying for hundreds of people. Nobody got healed. And I'm telling you, I I gave up so many times. I'm like, you know what, Lord? I prayed for 60 people this week. Nobody got healed. I guess I'm done, right? My assignment is over. You said you'd heal people, and no one got healed, so I guess you... I'm done. Uh, So I would come home. I'm done. I'm not praying for anybody else. This is over. It's a joke. I feel humiliated because I'm begging you to heal all those people, and no one's getting healed. And then I'd have a dream where I was praying for somebody in the ambulance, and they got healed. (laughs) I guess I'm not done. So I started reading some books, and I went back through the New Testament, and I started reading some scriptures, and I started to see things differently than the way I had always been taught. And I watched some Todd White videos, and I read uh, Power Healing by John Wimber, and that changed my mind and helped me understand that healing and miracles is an issue of Power and authority. Not begging God to heal people. If you know anything about healing, you probably know about Isaiah 53. Okay, this is a prophecy of the Messiah. Verse 5 He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Okay, that's a prophecy of the Messiah. When Jesus came as the Messiah, his ministry was to die. And by his punishment, his stripes, his death and resurrection, that made a way for us to be physically healed. Most of you, if you know anything about healing, you're highly aware of that passage. But nobody quotes the verse before that. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. We did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. What is grief and what is sorrow? They're emotions. He not only made a way for us to be physically healed, he made a way for us to be emotionally healed. And the reason why a lot of you are not physically healed is because you haven't gone through emotional healing yet. Now, I'm having a little bit of a healing revival on my Telegram channel. It's pretty darn amazing. And what we're finding out is a lot of people who have been waiting for physical healing and waiting and praying and standing in belief and repenting of this and forgiving that and doing all this other stuff, when they get around to doing emotional healing, their physical healing manifests after they're done with emotional healing. We have a friend. She has a blown out knee. She's got a She says when she goes up the stairs, it sounds like Rice Krispies or a bag of potato chips. It's all crunchy. She needs a new meniscus in her knee. Okay, It's just destroyed. And she's been praying for her knee to be healed. And it hasn't been manifesting. And everyone else on our Telegram channel, they're all posting testimonies of praying for themselves to be healed. Now, the fascinating thing about these testimonies is it's a bunch of people who have never seen miracles before. Most of the people posting the testimonies have never seen anyone healed. I I started posting testimonies in November, and people thought, well, this person has never done this before. Maybe I'm going to try it, and they try it, and they get healed. I post their testimony, and the people are like, well, he hasn't done this before, and he just got healed. I'm going to pray for myself, and they get healed. Then people started praying for their animals. their dogs, their cats, and their horses. We had a testimony of a woman whose cat had a tumor in its ear. She said it was like clusters of grapes in the ear, and she prayed over this cat and said, you, Jesus, you're in good hands. Jesus is going to heal you. The next day, she went to check her cat. The tumor was gone. She prayed for, she had faith that her cat was going to be healed, and her cat got healed. I am blown away every day when I see people sending me testimonies of what they prayed for and what got healed, washing machines, broken cars. I can't tell you how many testimonies we've received in the last three months of people who had broken washing machines, broken dryers. They didn't want to buy a new one. They prayed over it and God fixed it. So cars, (laughs) I could tell you a few stories, broken computers. <clears throat> the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set it liberally, those who are oppressed. That was the scripture from Isaiah 61 that Jesus read. And he said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. In the Hebrew, Isaiah 61, that word brokenhearted is the word shabar. It means to be shattered into pieces and broken to smithereens. How is a heart broken and shattered? It is when you suffer emotional trauma. Your heart is broken. And Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And there's a reason why, I think there's a reason why, if you go back to Isaiah 53, okay, verse 3 comes before verse 4 and verse (laughs) 5. And verse 3 says, He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And I have found, because I've probably prayed for... 40, 50,000 people over the last 10 years, and seen a lot of people healed. It's typical, especially in the church, that people are not physically healed because they have not dealt with their emotional junk, okay? So this friend of mine, in my Telegram channel, she was whining and complaining about her bad knee. She needed a new meniscus, and she was praying over it, and it wasn't getting healed, and she, I asked her in the chat, I said, so how are you doing on your emotional healing? <laughs> she said, well, every time I go there, God just keeps bringing more stuff up. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, uh, how you doing all that stuff? She's like, oh, I think I'm current. I think I'm good. I'm good. I'm up to date. You know, I think I got it all taken care of. And I'm like, okay, well, why don't you ask God if you're done yet? So that night... She asked the Lord, Is there anything else I need to deal with? The Lord brought up in her memory the time when she was a child and someone pointed a gun at her and fired, and the bullet went over her head through the wall of her house outside. And she was very traumatized by that. And she had not dealt with it. So she asked God, Do I have anything yet to deal with? He brought up that issue from her childhood. She said, okay, here's what I'm feeling. She gave, she identified the emotion. She gave it to Jesus. He healed the wound in her soul. And then she climbed into a nice warm bath. And she prayed over her knee, and it was healed. I'm I'm telling you this story because it's important to realize that any condition that you have can have either a physiological cause a spiritual cause or an emotional cause you have degenerative disc disease in your neck you have herniated discs you've got a frozen shoulder you've got whatever you have got it can have a spiritual cause it is not necessarily physiologic I know that's hard to believe but it's true we had a woman one of the very first testimonies I posted on Telegram back in December, a woman had an anal fistula. She was leaking stuff everywhere she went. Always had to go to the bathroom. It was horrible, embarrassing. She had it for three years. She read one of the testimonies on my Telegram channel and thought, you know what? If that person can do it, I can do this. She, pray- she was praying one day and she realized it was a demon. She cast the demon out of herself, and within a week, all of her symptoms were completely gone. She was healed. She cast the demon out of herself. And it was a physiological problem, but it was caused by a demon. Right. Any issue, whether it's dementia, pulmonary fibrosis, whatever it is, it can have a spiritual cause, an emotional cause, or a physiological cause. Okay. And if you want to be healed, you have to ask God, "What are we dealing with, and how do we fix this?" Now, I'm going to teach you the specific ways that Jesus did His His healing ministry. All right, Luke six, uh, starting in verse 17. And he, Jesus, came down with the disciples from the mountain, stood on a level place, and a great multitude of people from Judea and Jerusalem, and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon came to hear him to be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out of him and healed them all. All. You know what I looked up in the Greek New Testament you know what the word all means all, all. <laughs> yeah let's go to Matthew chapter 8 verses 14 and 15 Jesus comes to the house of Peter Peter's mother-in-law is there she has a fever he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying sick with a fever so he touched her hand and the fever left and she arose and served them okay When the woman with the flow of blood for 12 years walked up behind Jesus, he was on his way to the house of Jairus. Jairus' daughter was sick. Jesus was going to go to to heal her. The woman snuck up behind Jesus and said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Jesus turned to the disciples and said, who touched me? And they're like, Lord, everyone's touching you. He said, I felt power go out of my body. Who touched me? Most leaders will not teach you the difference between power and authority. There's two different ways in which you can get healed physically. In these illustrations, it says, the whole multitude sought to touch him for power, dunamis, went out of him and healed them in the account with the woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years. Jesus said, I felt power, dunamis power, leave me. When he touched the hand of Peter's mother-in-law, he touched her hand and she was healed. He released power. Okay, power is energy. Dunamis power, the word dunamis, Greek word dunamis, is the root word for dynamite. It's energy. It is the power of God that created the Earth, created the universe. God released power, and that power created the universe. When somebody needs a creative miracle, miracle, you release power. If they need a new eye, a new meniscus, new cartilage, We release power, and it works a creative miracle. It is different from healing. What is this power? (laughs) All right. Let's go to Luke 9, verses 1 and 2. Then Jesus called the 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. He gave them two things. He gave his disciples power and authority. And what did he tell them to do? Parallel passage in Matthew 10. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely receive, freely give. All right. After Jesus went through Israel and demonstrated healing and deliverance and miracles and raising the dead... He then told his disciples, you're my disciples, you watch me do this, now it's your turn, go do it. And he gave them power and authority to do it. So we don't need to beg God for healing. He gave us the power and authority to do it. We just need to learn how to release the power and exercise authority. Power is the power of the Holy Spirit when you are born again born of the Spirit the power the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you you have the Holy Spirit living in you you are a reservoir of the power of God you need to let it out release it into the community into people who need healing to work Miracles. Power works miracles. Jesus said, Luke 24, "Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high." What was he talking about? On the day of Pentecost, they were in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit fell on them and filled them with the Spirit. They spoke in tongues and they received the Holy Spirit. That's the power he was talking about. We all have that same power living in us right now. That is power for miracles. Now we're going to talk about healing, which is a different ministry. He gave them power and authority. Okay, healing and miracles and demons. Authority is used to cast out demons. What did Jesus Jesus do with the man from Gadara who had the demon called Legion? He commanded it to leave. Whenever Jesus was doing deliverance, getting rid of evil spirits, he commanded the demons to leave. That's an exercise of authority. It's different from power. Now, let's go back to Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, A centurion came to him, said, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion said, no, Lord, you don't have to. I'm not worthy. You should come under my roof. Only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority. I say to this man, come and he comes. I say to this man, go and he goes. Only say a word and my servant will be healed. Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Be it unto you according to you as you have believed and from the servant was healed at that very hour. Authority, not power, authority. Jesus spoke a word and the servant was healed. Authority is a different operation. You don't release authority, you exercise it. If you're a supervisor at at your job, you have authority over the people that are beneath you. You tell them to do this. You tell them to do that. They follow your instructions. That's an exercise of authority. You're giving out commands. I need you to go there, work with these people, and do this. It's a command. That's authority. When you command an evil spirit to leave somebody, you're exercising authority. If I command someone's frozen shoulder to be healed, it's an exercise of authority. Does anybody have a frozen shoulder in the audience right now? Who has a frozen shoulder? Come up here. Uh, I may have a little bit of inside information. We, we, talk. we, we talked before we came in here. She has a frozen shoulder. So we're just going to do a demonstration. Yeah. Hi. I've
0: been on the full gospel like this. I've been on the full gospel Zoom sessions during COVID and I had a broken arm And everyone watched my broken arm, which has been healed. I now have a frozen shoulder as a result of the broken arm. So a lot of people know.
1: Uh, Can you raise your arm up? About that high? Is there any pain? Pain right there. Okay. So, again, any issue could be a matter of physiological, (laughs) emotional, or spiritual. I don't know which one it is until I ask the Lord. (laughs) Okay. This is where Jesus said, the son can do nothing but what he sees the father doing. Okay. Why did Jesus use three different methods to heal three different blind men? Because the father showed him, with this guy, I want you to make mud, put it in his eye. (laughs) With this guy, I want you to do this. With this person, do that. Why did he tell the ten lepers, Go to the priest, show yourself to the priest, and you're going to be healed. Because the father told him, I want you to tell them as an act of faith, exercise faith, do what I tell you, and you'll be healed. They went, and they were healed. If they would have gone to Starbucks and got coffee, they wouldn't have been healed. Because that wasn't what he told them to do. There is a prescribed way that God wants to heal us. And we have to follow the prescribed way, not our little script that we have, his prescribed method. Healing is a process. He has a prescribed process. When we follow his process, we'll be healed. My friend got healed of her knee issue because God's prescribed process was, you need to be healed of this emotional wound from your past. When you do that, when you submit yourself to the process, you're going to be healed. She submitted herself to the process and she was healed. Okay, now I don't know if her frozen shoulder is physiological, emotional, or spiritual. I don't know. Unless I ask. (laughs) Right? But there's a couple of things you can do. How do you release power? For miracles. I realize I am a container of the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, I'm a container. I'm a vessel of the Holy Spirit. And when I just believe, it's all faith. I believe that God is going to heal her. The power of God is going to go into her body and heal her. I don't have to say anything. Because a release of power is simply believing that God is going to release power and heal her. Lord, bring your healing presence, presence. Whenever I pray for someone, the first thing I do is I ask the Lord to bring His presence for healing, because I have seen people healed in God's presence, and they know, no one prayed for them. Tom Schermitzler was healed. Stay there. Tom Schermitzler was healed in a church service. He had severe back pain. He had back spasms. He'd been whining all week about his back pain. I came to teach at the church. They were doing worship. Tom was laying on the floor in the back of the room. And in God's glory, in his presence, he got healed and no one prayed for him. So the first thing I do when I'm praying for people is, Lord, bring your presence for healing. Because sometimes just his presence will kick out demons and bring healing. Lord, bring your presence for healing. Bring your glory. Lord, bring your presence. (laughs) Bring your glory. Now, God's manifest presence feels different to everyone. Some people spontaneously cry. Some people feel tingling. Some people feel heat. I start to sway back and forth involuntarily. That's how I know God's presence is there. Are you feeling anything going on? I think I am. What? But I also
0: want to say, we, we have been praying for this. Just as you say, we've been praying for this shoulder.
1: long Okay, so what do you... Do you say you think you feel something happening? I thought I felt a little like warmth Warmth. All right, so she says she felt a little bit of warmth, maybe. Maybe. Lord more of your presence. Lord bring more of your healing presence. I release the power of God into the shoulder and now I'm going to switch to authority. Okay, I'm releasing the power of God but now I'm going to switch to authority. I command adhesions to be gone right now. Frozen shoulder is caused by adhesions Adhesive capsulitis is what it's called. That makes you uh, unable to move your arm and shoulder. Adhesions. So I'm going to command adhesions to be gone. I command ligaments, nerves, tendons, muscles, and bones be healed right now. I command this shoulder to be unfrozen. Now I'm going to go to deliverance. I command spirits of infirmity and pain to get out now. Alright, so because I don't know if it's physiological, emotional, or spiritual, I'm kind of using the shotgun approach. (laughs) I'm going to ask God to bring his presence. I'm going to release power. I'm going to exercise authority and command the ligaments, nerves, tendons, bones, cartilage be healed right now, and I command spirits, evil spirits, to get out. So I have presence, authority, power, deliverance, okay? I'm, and there's two exercises of authority going on here. One exercise of authority is commanding ligaments, nerves, tendons, muscle, and bones to be healed. The other exercise of authority is getting rid of evil spirits. Now, I could go into emotional healing if I wanted to, if you want to be here for another two hours. <laughs> No. But the the point is this is an illustration. Now, what do you feel going on in your shoulder?
0: Not much. Not much? All right.
1: So she's not feeling anything. Try to raise it up. Other one. So you still have limited range of motion? Higher than it went before. All right. All right. So hang on. So sometimes you have to do this more than once. If you make progress in the approach that you're using, keep using that approach, normally you will get full healing by the time you're done. Lord, bring your healing presence. Lord, bring your healing presence. I release the power of God into the shoulder. Lord, bring your presence. I command... Ligaments, nerves, tendons, muscles, and bones be healed. I command cartilage to be healed. Rotator cuff, I command you to be healed. Scapula healed. I command the joint to be healed. Pain and inflammation, I command you to get out now. Are you feeling anything? You think so? Move it. Try to move it again. I I can hear clicking right there. Yeah, I can hear that. Okay, so, so here is what I would do next. I would take her through emotional healing. And I'm not gonna do that right now because it, it's a long process. It, I mean, it can be short, but with people of our age, <laughs> we have a lot of junk. <laughs> we tend to have a lot of junk and doing emotional healing can be a process. I was working with somebody out in the hall like at seven o'clock before everybody else got here and I was walking her through the emotional healing process. And she actually got healed of a bunch of stuff from her childhood. If I was going to continue doing prayer ministry for her, I would next go to emotional healing. And there's other things. I'm going to talk about those in a minute. So you can can have a seat. Thank you. I think the list that I have of things that have to be dealt with, potential things that have to be dealt with, in healing is probably 15 or 16 different dynamics. There's generational issues. I haven't even talked about that yet. Uh, My wife has gluten intolerance. In a dream, the Lord told me that she needs her DNA healed. (laughs) Oh, that's easy. I heal people's DNA all the time. (laughs) There's a myriad of things that, that could potentially need to be addressed in the healing dynamic. There's generational issues. There is uh, unforgiveness. I was healed of neck pain when I forgave somebody that I was angry at. Okay? Sometimes unforgiveness blocks healing. So, this is what Paul was talking about in Ephesians 4, verses 25 and 26, when he said, Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil a foothold. What he was telling us is anger and other negative emotions and unforgiveness is a foothold, an opportunity for the devil to afflict us. And actually evil spirits will attach to you and cause you sickness and affliction if you don't deal with the anger and the emotions and forgiveness. And I will tell you, a lot of people have difficulty with forgiveness But after you do the emotional healing, forgiving the person is easy because that raw, hateful resentment, the negative emotion isn't there anymore. You can then forgive the person easily because when you think of what they did to you, what they said to you, how they betrayed you, that that emotion is not there. Jesus heals that, and then forgiving is easy. So I, I, I recommend for most people... If you have received prayer and you have not been healed, strongly suggest emotional healing. Let the Lord heal the wounds in your soul. And a lot of times what I find out is, when someone submits to the emotional healing process, the demons that they have will self-deport because they have no place of attachment. Because evil spirits will afflict you with sickness and pain And when you go through the emotional healing, you heal the wounds that they're attaching to. I kind of, um, well, you know what, let me just read this real quick. So we're talking about deliverance. Let's look at what Jesus said about deliverance in Luke 11. So in Luke chapter 11, there's a record where Jesus was casting out a demon from someone. And the religious leader said, oh, he casts out demons by the power of Beelzebub." above And Jesus said, oh, really? Well, if I cast out demons by the power of Satan, then by whose authority do your sons cast them out? Because they were doing deliverance. Jesus said to them, If I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, in verse 22, he illustrates a principle. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger man comes and overpowers him, he takes from his, his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. That's an illustration. What is he talking about? Well, this is in the context of deliverance. And he explains that illustration in the next verse. Verse 24. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through the dry places seeking rest, finding none, he says... I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. He goes out and takes with him seven more spirits, more wicked than himself. And the state of that man is worse than the first state. So what is he talking about here? He is talking about what happens to us when we kick out demons and don't deal with the reason that they're there. If you are being afflicted by a demon that is causing pain or sickness, there's a reason why it's there. He uses the analogy of a house. So if we think of our, house, our, our, our soul as a house, emotional trauma is like a junk pile in your backyard. All of your emotional junk from your past, you don't deal with it, you just throw it in the backyard so you don't see it anymore. I don't want to see that, I'm just going to throw that in the pile in the backyard. And then you get hurt, betrayed, wounded, again, offended, angry, and you take that junk and you throw it in the backyard. And all this time, you have a colony of rats that are living in your backyard, feeding on all the junk in your junk pile. Someone comes along and says, hey, let me cast that demon out of you. And they go out in your backyard, and they scream and holler, and all the rats leave, and then they leave, and then the rats return because the junk pile hasn't been dealt with. If you deal with the junk from your past, Jesus will clean up all that stuff, remove it from the backyard, and the rats won't return. And that's essentially what he's teaching here. He's like, look, you can cast out demons, but if you don't deal with the reason they're there, they're going to come back, and your migraine headache is now going to return. And next, that spirit that's causing it is going to bring a spirit that's going to give you uh, Lyme disease or pulmonary fibrosis or Crohn's disease, irritable bowel syndrome. And you're going to have all these spirits attacking you. Now you're going to have degenerative disc disease. Then you're going to have a bad hip. Then you're going to have bad eyesight. And all, most of us in this room have multiple things we want to be healed of And it just seems like as we get older, more and more things are adding. And we're getting more afflictions, more sickness, more pains. And Jesus explains right here why it's happening. We got to deal with the junk. All right. And the illustration of my friend who dealt with the junk from her childhood, where someone pointed a gun at her and fired it, she dealt with that and her knee was healed that night. That's the, that's the point I'm trying to make. If you will deal with the emotional trauma from your past, it takes away the ability for those demons to afflict you. And, and a lot of times you're going to be spontaneously healed doing it. You don't even have to command the demons to leave. This one woman I was talking to out in the lobby, <laughs> we're doing emotional healing and we got to the one issue, the big issue that she had not dealt with. She gave the emotion to Jesus. And she's like, whoa, something just happened. I'm like, yeah, a demon just left you. (laughs) Because if you deal with the issues that are allowing the demons to be there, they will self-deport. If they don't, you can very easily command them to leave, and now they're not going to come back. That's another thing. A lot of people will go to a meeting, get prayer, be healed, and two hours later, the pain comes back. Oh, I thought it was healed of high blood pressure. My blood pressure was great for two months, and then it came back. I thought it was healed of insomnia. I slept great for six months, and then it came back. And a lot of people lose their faith because their affliction comes back. Why does it come back? Jesus told us why it comes back. Because we haven't dealt with our junk. If you deal with the stuff from your past... Your vision problems, your hearing problems, your aches and pains are going to be healed. But healing is a process, and you have to submit to the process. We can all do it. God does not respect the great man on the platform who has the healing ministry. God is not a respecter of men. There's a mindset in the church that is false, that says... If healing is real, and I'm not even sure that it is, it certainly only works for a few people. Because I've prayed for people and I've never seen anyone healed. So I must not have the gift of healing. There is a gift of healing. And that's the problem that a lot of people struggle with. They think only a few people are gifted for healing. Jesus had something to say about that. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. Jesus said, if you believe in him, you are going to do the works that he did. Not the anointed man on the platform, you, every believer. And by the way, when Jesus gave his commission to the disciples, he didn't say, well, We're not going to heal dementia, because God's, you know, not really into that thing. And we're not going to heal people who have multiple sclerosis because God's working out a plan in their life. He's got a redemptive purpose for their suffering. It says that he went to villages and they were all healed of every disease. There were no exceptions. Jesus never turned anyone away who needed healing. He never told someone, God has a purpose for this. I'm sorry you can't be healed. He has never said that. Everyone who came to him for healing was healed. If it is the will of God to have people suffer in sickness, no one frustrated the will of God more than Jesus. Because he healed entire villages. And if God was trying to work a redemptive purpose through those people in those villages, they wouldn't have been healed. But they were. We have made up a lot of theology to try to excuse our inability to get people healed. People say, well, Paul's thorn in the flesh. Well, see, even Paul couldn't be healed. Well, Paul's thorn in the flesh is in the context of persecution. not He, he wasn't talking about healing, he was talking about. The fact that he was being persecuted for spreading the gospel. Persecution is going to build character. Jesus didn't tell people, I'm going to heal your persecution. He told the disciples, you're going to be persecuted. You may have lost a job. You may have lost your house. God may work a redemptive purpose in that loss. Jesus did not restore people's jobs. He didn't restore their homes when they got destroyed in natural disasters. That kind of suffering may have a redemptive purpose his answer to your sickness, your suffering, his response, healing, deliverance, miracles. Jesus did not talk about a redemptive purpose for physical illness. In John 10.10, 10, he said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you would have life, and that more abundantly. He illustrated kingdom of darkness... Kingdom of God, steal, kill, destroy, disease. Kingdom of God, we're gonna restore what the enemy has taken. I'm learning more about healing all the time. When I, when I switched back from news and current events, which I had been reporting on for the last four years, five years, to healing and miracles, God started teaching me more things about the dynamic of healing. And I'm still learning. I've been doing this for a long time. I've learned a lot, I have a lot more to learn. Just like you. We all have we're all it's a process. We're learning, we're growing. For some people, they view God's plan as making converts to Christianity. Okay, that's a really low bar. You know, it's it's a worthy pursuit, but it's a low bar. Because Jesus was about making disciples. And a disciple is someone who learns from the master and replicates what they're doing. But what God really wants is mature sons who walk in the fullness of their identity and they operate in the miracles and healing on a regular basis. That is what God wants. God wants all of us to operate when, when we, people look at our lives, they go, wow, you're doing all the stuff Jesus did. Like, you're just like Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple, to be just like Jesus. He wants to make us all like Jesus. God has given us a lot of tools in the tool belt to help us operate as mature sons. The most common question people ask me when they haven't been healed is, Hey, Dave, why haven't I been healed? (laughs) And my most common response is, I don't know, what did God tell you about it? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't think I hear the Lord very well. Like, that's the problem. (laughs) That's actually the problem. Because, again, I love this illustration with my friend who had not dealt with her junk and got her knee healed. She asked God, what have I not dealt with yet? And he brought up this memory from her childhood. She asked God, he explained to her what she had to deal with, she obediently dealt with it, she released power on her knee and she got her knee healed. She did it all herself, because she asked God what the problem was. And that is probably the biggest hindrance to healing is we're not hearing God accurately. So my first person that I saw healed, I was at a grocery store, minding my own dang business, buying a bottle of Gatorade. I closed my eyes, and the Lord showed me in my mind a vision of this woman and the word headaches. And I looked in front of me, and there she was, (laughs) standing right next to me in line. And I'm like, oh, she must have headaches. Oh, wait a minute. I think this is a healing thing. So she goes over to the bakery, because she worked there, and I followed her over, and I said, excuse me, do you have headaches? And She's like, who are you? (laughs) And I said, I guess I'm the guy that God sent to heal you. And she starts bawling. And I'm like, can I pray for you? (laughs) She's like, yeah, go ahead. She's bawling. I put my hand up on her head, and I said, I command (laughs) headaches to leave. She had a headache at the time. She was over there buying Advil because she had woke up with another headache. She had migraines. And that morning she was whining to God saying, Lord, when are you going to send somebody to heal my headaches? All right. She got healed because I took five seconds out of my day, closed my eyes, and the Lord showed me her picture and the word headaches. Now, when God first spoke to me, he said, I'm going to show you what is wrong with your patience. He didn't say, I want you to just take a shotgun out there, you know, release power and exercise and kick out you and da, da 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 da. He's like, No, I'm going to show you specifically what's wrong with them. And I want you to pray for them out of the revelation that I give you. Because ministry is relational. Ministry with the Holy Spirit is a dance. He leads, we follow. And if you want to be effective, you have to listen to what he's saying, and you have to hear. And I had never seen a vision prior to God showing me this, in this dream. He said, I'm going to show you what's wrong with your patience. And I went, I'm like, what is, show me? What do you mean? How are you going to show me what's wrong with people? I had to take about a three-month break that winter, winter of 2008, sat in the back of the ambulance, laid down on the bench seat, hour after hour after hour, week after week, month after month, developing my ability to see in the Spirit. Because I could not see what God was showing me. I'd never had a vision. I didn't even know what that meant. I had to go through training to, so that I could see in my mind the images that God wanted to show me. That winter, I spent probably hundreds of hours in the back of the ambulance laying down, letting God develop my ability to see in the Spirit, see visions, take these symbolic images and assign meaning to them. And then, six months later, he showed me a vision in my mind, and I was like, Oh, I know what that is. That's a woman, and that's a word that says (laughs) headaches. I think I know what this is. This is a word of knowledge. And she got healed, all right. So one of the tools that God has given us for healing, deliverance, and miracles is revelation. And if you can't see in the spirit, you can't see visions, you can't get a word of knowledge, it's going to be very, very hard for you to know what is God saying. When I ask you, what has God said about your condition? You're like, I don't know, I'm not really hearing the Lord very well, okay? You need to develop your ability to hear God's voice. I wrote a book on that subject, Hearing God's Voice Made Simple. And you need to develop your ability to see in the Spirit. I wrote a book on that subject too. And this is not something just for prophets. You are a spirit. When God created you, he created a spirit. Your spirit inhabits a physical body until your physical body dies. And your spirit goes to heaven, and you hang out there. But you are a spirit, primarily. You have spiritual eyes, you have spiritual ears, you can smell in the spirit, right? Your spiritual ears can hear the voice of God. Your spiritual ears hear the voice of demons. Your spiritual eyes can see in the spirit. But most of us are so accustomed to seeing the physical world around us, we block out what God wants to show us in the spiritual world. It's training, all right, and my ministry is Ephesians 4:11 and 12. Jesus gave gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, for what? Equipping the saints for the work of ministry. That is the purpose of church leaders. They're supposed to be training and equipping us to do the things Jesus did, and my ministry is teaching. If you want to learn how to see in the spirit, hear God's voice, I can teach you how to do it. Because that's, it's like, okay, well, I can do it. But I was a former atheist. I'd never had visions. I hadn't had a dream in 25 years. Never seen a miracle. If God can do this stuff through me, he can do it through you. I had more unbelief than anyone you can ever imagine. (laughs) When God said, you're going to heal people, I was like, you are... Crazy. You are smoking crack. <laughs> You're not even healing people, God. <laughs> Peter, rise, kill, and eat. Not so, Lord. <laughs> that was me. Lord, I mean, <laughs> really? I'm going to do this? Okay. Uh, if, if, God can, if God can take rebellious, hard-willed, stubborn, people full of unbelief and doubt. And he can do miracles through them. He can do it through you. It takes a little bit of training. It takes practice. If you have bought one of my books on healing or singing the Spirit or hearing God's voice, there's exercises in the books. Um, Deplorable Granny, if you're watching this. <laughs> Deplorable Granny, I love her. She left a comment in the Telegram chat the other day. She said, Dave, I just love you so much. I want to support you. I bought all of your books. I haven't read any of them, but I bought them all. (laughs) I was like, well, uh, thank you. (laughs) Now start reading them. (laughs) And then put into practice the things that are in the books. Because if you read and you get knowledge, but you don't practice it, it doesn't do anyone any good. I don't want people buying my books to support me financially. I want them to buy the books so they can be trained and equipped to do the things that Jesus is doing. That's the purpose of it. All the videos and the articles and everything I put out there, it is to train and equip you to do the things that Jesus is doing. He wants you to walk like he did, and you can. But but it takes practice. You're not going to... You're not going to raise the dead overnight. takes a little bit of practice. You might have to pray for a few stiffs before you get someone raised from the dead. I'm just saying. I, I prayed for 500 people who weren't healed before I finally figured it out. I'm like, oh, power and authority. You mean like command, that kind of stuff? Okay, I can tr- I'll try that. And then people started getting healed. But it takes practice. It takes training. You have to work at this. And... I'm going to throw this out there, this is a little bonus. I don't know why this is true, but I know that it's true. It is, tends to be a little more difficult to get your family members healed than other people. I don't know why it is, it just is. If you know people who are in the healing ministry, they're like, I'll pray for anyone, I'm not going to pray for my wife, because she's, she might get worse. <laughs> I'm not saying don't pray for your family members, okay? I need to put this in big bold letters. I'm not saying don't pray for your family members. I am saying if you pray for your wife or your son or your daughter and they're not healed, do not say, well, I get an F in healing because I can't get anyone healed. Go pray for the neighbors. Pray for people in Starbucks or wherever you go. Pray for people at work. Don't judge yourself by the failures of people that you have an emotional attachment to. I have seen my son healed more than a dozen times. When he was in high school, he was in track, he was a swimmer. He came home, Dad, I got a separated shoulder. <laughs> my shoulder's killing me, I can't swim. I'm like, okay, well, be healed. And boom, his shoulder got healed. That My son got healed so many freaking times, it's unbelievable. My son has not been through the emotional war that my wife has been through. My son was 15. My wife is a couple years older than that. <laughs> She's been through more junk in her life. It's a little harder to get her healed. Someone who's 15 who has had very little emotional trauma, full of faith, he's seen Dad pray in Target and Walmart for people and watching him get healed. My son was like, I know if Dad prays for me, he's gonna get, I'm going to get healed. He had no doubt. And I'll tell you this, for people in the church, a lot of the difficulty with us getting healed is we have received prayer from dozens of people and haven't been healed, and our mind is filled with, I'm not going to get healed. You can go ahead and pray for me. I'm not going to get healed. I don't even want to get in the line for prayer because I'm not going to get healed, because I never do. My wife was actually had that mindset. She had herniated discs in her back, and she had actually told herself well, Dave can get other people healed, but he can't get me healed. She came into agreement with the enemy and said, oh, I can't be healed, right? And she, and she wasn't healed until she repented and renounced what she said. She listened to a Sid Roth episode where... What's his name? Was teaching on activating your spiritual senses. Might have been Jeremy Nelson, I'm not sure. He was teaching on activating your spiritual senses at the end of his message. He said, Oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to pray for you. But before she watched that video, she watched a video testimony of a woman who had more diseases. Trauma, crushed body, near-death experience, out of her body, floating up in the operating room. She's like, Jesus, I don't want to go back. Just take me to heaven. My body's a mess. And she saw the fact that her son would not ever know Jesus if she stayed in eternity. So she came back into a broken, diseased body. And she went to the Voice of the Apostles conference, and she got rebuked by some guy named Richard, who she's laying there on the floor like a cripple at the gate, begging for alms. <laughs> Richard walks up to her and says, what's the matter with you? And she's like, oh, it's okay, Richard. God's working out a plan in my life. He's, I've got, I'm bearing good fruit from my suffering. No, it's okay, Richard. Go away. I'm fine. And he's like, no, God healed me. He healed my wife. He healed my children. He's going to heal you right now. <laughs> and he made her repent of her mindset that she couldn't be healed, that God was had a redemptive purpose for her suffering. He made her renounce everything she had said. Power of God hit her. Wham! She went down on the floor and got up completely healed. And, and some people are not healed because they have this mindset. Like, I've received all this prayer. I'm not healed. God obviously has a reason for it. And he doesn't. (laughs) He wants you healed. And he's going to get you healed one way or the other. What he needs is your cooperation and your permission. Because God does not heal people without their permission. Marines are not allowed to die without permission. And God is not going to heal you without your permission. And if you let him heal you, let him deal with the junk in your soul, He will bring healing. But deplorable granny, bless her heart, uh, decided it was time to read The Gates of Shiloh. My novel, The Gates of Shiloh. Uh, The Gates of Shiloh is a novel where emotional healing for severely traumatized people is illustrated through a person's life. And Deplorable Granny decided that she was gonna read The Gates of Shiloh because it's a novel. And it might be fun. Now, Deplorable Granny happens to have suffered a lot of emotional trauma as a child. And that book wrecked her for good, in a good way. Uh, she realized that she needed to deal with all this junk from her past, like Shiloh did. So she's inviting Jesus in, and she's going through her junk from her past. And as she deals with one thing after another after another, she is getting physically healed. Imagine that. She has uh, a number of physical ailments, like a lot of us who are, you know, not... Well, she's deplorable granny, so you can, (laughs) she's not deplorable hipster. uh. (laughs) Like a lot of us, as she got older, she has a lot of physical ailments. But as she is dealing with the issues from her past, God has been healing her physically, progressively, of all this stuff. And progressive healing is, is, is a reality. You know, if you're 15 or 16, you only got one or two things, you can get healed like that. If you're in your fifties or sixties or seventies and you've been in the war for a long time, your healing might take a little bit longer Uh, because, look, we spend our whole lives getting in fights with people, having relationship, trauma, divorce, family members dying, losing your jobs. Your heart is broken because the president that you for sure was going to get elected didn't get elected. That has caused a lot of emotional trauma. I'll tell you what else is called a lot of emotional trauma is COVID. Because most of us have friends and family members who ended up in the ICU. A lot of them didn't make it. And then when you realize that this was a bioweapon, that causes a lot of anger. And that's more emotional trauma that has to be dealt with. In this last two or three years, uh, people have been severely traumatized by the news Look, I stopped watching the news in November because a spirit of fear was trying to make its way into my life through all the COVID and the vaccine stuff. Every time I watched a broadcast about COVID, the vaccines, I could feel this spirit of fear trying to get on me. And I was like, no, go away. I don't want you. So I I stopped watching news broadcasts. And the Lord's like, this is the funniest thing how he did this. In November, I did a Supernatural Saturday on everything you want to know about healing and miracles, because my September broadcast got blown up. I I couldn't post it; it was a mess. So I was like, "Okay, I owe you guys another video." I'm going to teach you all about healing and miracles. It was a great video, and that spurred people to start praying for themselves to be healed. And the Lord was like, "I want you to focus on this, and don't worry about COVID and the vaccines and the news. Just..." pay it, just shut it off just focus on this for now and the lord showed me he's like go to the sermon on the mount <laughs> like okay seek first the kingdom of god now what was he saying before that okay blessed are the peacemakers blessed are the meek and he said seek first the kingdom of god And all these things will be given to you if you do what? Seek first the kingdom of God. Prioritize first in your life God's kingdom. And I was like, oh, I've been prioritizing the news. (laughs) I've not been prioritizing God's kingdom. Hey, guess what? I didn't have any peace. (laughs) I I was like anxious, fearful, like... Okay, maybe I'm going to seek God's kingdom first. And as soon as I did, boom, my attitude changed. I have had so much peace over the last four months because I have prioritized God's kingdom, and I'm teaching people about healing and miracles and deliverance, and I am sleeping like a baby at night. And here's my testimony. For the last 10 years, I have had a really horrible sleep pattern. Uh, I'm grateful that God gives me dreams, but holy crap, if you have a dream at 3 o'clock in the morning, and you start processing that dream, you can't get back to sleep. So a lot of nights, I only have four or five hours of sleep, sometimes three hours of sleep, because I'll have a dream, and I won't be able to get back to sleep. Or I'll just spontaneously wake up at 2.30 in the morning, and I can't go back to sleep. So my, for 10 years, my sleep pattern has been Terrible. And everything changed about six weeks ago because I I got reconnected with an old friend of mine Brian Fenimore and Brian is my favorite teacher on God's presence he read Brother Lawrence right and he is a wonderful teacher on cooperating with God's presence now God's presence does so many amazing things. And it's probably the most underappreciated part of God's kingdom is his manifest presence, his glory. I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about God's manifest presence, which is different from the Holy Spirit. Go through the New Testament, and you'll see two different words. In and upon the Greek word for upon is epi. Paul said the Holy Spirit is in you and God's presence will be upon you. There are two different things. When this, If you read where John the Baptist saw Jesus, in the, he was baptizing in the Jordan, God's presence descended and remained upon him not in him, upon him. When Ezekiel and Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord in the Old Testament temple, they saw God's manifest presence like a cloud leaving and going from the temple. When I ask God to bring his presence, his manifest presence, it does something. God's Presence, his glory, manifests in different ways. And if you're going to do ministry, if you're going to do healing, deliverance, miracles, word of knowledge, prophecy, you need to learn how to cooperate with God's presence. Now, I was thinking about the ways in which God's presence manifests. If I have somebody who needs physical healing... I'll ask God to bring his his presence for healing. God's presence for healing is different than his presence for deliverance, and it's different than his presence for revelation. If you want to give somebody a prophetic word, you should ask God to bring his presence for revelation. Because his presence for revelation is going to bring revelation. (laughs) You're going to see visions. God's going to speak to you. He's going to reveal things to you that you can then declare to other people. His presence for revelation is different than his presence for healing or deliverance. If you're doing deliverance, you want God to bring his presence for deliverance. It'll break yokes of bondage. It will destroy demonic strongholds. If you need miracles, you wanna ask God to bring his presence for miracles. You wanna be specific. And here's how this works out. I had been uh, dealing with this horrible sleep pattern forever. Denise has had insomnia. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna try something new. At night, I'm in bed and I say, Lord, bring your presence for peace. Because I wanted my mind to shut down and stay shut down the whole night. I didn't want to be processing junk, okay? So I said, Lord, bring your presence for peace into our house and let us sleep tonight. And that night, I slept through the whole night. I was glued to the mattress in the morning. I was like, what was that? And then I did it again the next night. And I was like, Lord, bring your presence for peace. And I slept through the whole night. I was glued to the mattress in the morning. It's 7.30, sun's up, and I'm like, <sighs> Denise is like, are you going to get up? <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? Like, I can't, I would normally be up 30, 5 o'clock before the sun up. And I was like, something has changed. God's presence is doing something. So ever since then, for the last six, seven weeks, I've been asking God to bring his presence for rest and peace every night. And I am sleeping through every night. Even when I have dreams, yes, even when I have dreams, I will dream, I'll wake up, I'll write the dream down, and boom, I am back out. I'm out like my mind isn't processing. I just write the dream down, and then God turns the propofol back on, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> out. It's like Holy Spirit anesthesia. It's the craziest thing. So then I thought, okay, Lord, bring your presence for revelation. First time I did that, I had dreams all night long. And I, and I woke up in the morning feeling refreshed. Like, I didn't feel the normal, like if I have five or six dreams. I get no sleep and I feel terrible the next day. That next day, after having dreams all night long, I remembered the dreams and I slept like a baby. And Denise has been sleeping better too. She, has, she is going to sleep much faster and she's sleeping through the night a lot more. Again, sometimes I'll get up at six and she's still sedated. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, she's in post-anesthesia. She'll come around whenever she comes around. If you suffer from insomnia, I would strongly recommend this approach. And I'm adding a couple of things to it. In the evening, I, in addition to asking God to bring his presence for peace or revelation if you want dreams, I'm also commanding spirits of fear, anxiety, and worry to leave. So I command evil spirits to leave, and I ask God to bring his presence into the house. And I'm telling you, in the morning, I am literally glued to the mattress. I just, like, I've never experienced this before. I, sun's up for two hours, Denise comes in, Hey Dave, we need coffee, you gonna get up or not? I'm like, I don't know, I'm feeling pretty good here. (laughs) It is, it has changed my life. I used to get up at 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock. Oh, you know, I'll read email. I'll work on a manuscript for a book. But I always was sort of feeling overworked because I was only sleeping four or five hours a night. And it has changed my life. And, and we're getting testimonies now on my Telegram channel of people who are going into work and asking God to bring his presence into their work and they're noticing a change in attitude of their coworkers. People who normally fight and argue and backstab are getting along as teammates and there's that anger and resentment it's gone. It's completely gone. People who work in retail will notice that customers who come in and normally have beefs and issues and complaints and all kinds of har- harassment issues they come in and they're full of joy and love and everything is just groovy because they're praying God to bring His presence into their workplace. I'm just, I, I'm getting all these testimonies every day on Telegram, and I'm just like blown away at what God is doing. Again, God wants us to manifest His kingdom. It's a manifestation of God's kingdom. His presence is a manifestation. All right, so when Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians, if you look at what he says carefully, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, okay, the gifts, tongues, prophecy, healing, miracles. Healing and miracles are different, by the way. Healing is authority. Miracles is power. The gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations, are for the church. Jesus' commission in Luke 9, he gave his disciples power and authority. That is for evangelism. There is a difference. When people say, I don't have the gift of healing, look at 1 Corinthians, only some people have the gift. Okay, the gifts of the Spirit, Paul said, are for the edification of the body of Christ. They're for use in the church. They're not the same as the purpose why Jesus gives us authority and power. That's for evangelism. Everyone can operate in that. And everyone can operate in any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If, if, the, manifest, if the gifts of the Spirit are actually manifestations, manifestations of God They are the ways in which God reveals his character through us. That's a manifestation. You can all prophesy, Paul said. Not just one or two, you can all prophesy. We can all operate in every gift of the spirit. We can all operate in the gift of miracles, gift of healings, and the gift of faith. All right. Uh, The woman who cast out a demon of, her anal demon she called it, she had an anal fistula she operated in the gift of faith she had no faith for deliverance prior to that moment and when she wrote her testimony she said i felt this iron will of resolve just fill up inside of me and i commanded this stupid demon to get out right now she was she her faith got supercharged and The miraculous is all a matter of faith. And there is a gift of faith. And she operated a gift of faith. The gift of faith is when the Holy Spirit gives you faith for something you did not have faith for five minutes ago. You don't have faith for raising the dead. All of a sudden, you're confronted with a dead person and this iron will of resolve fills you and you're like, right now in the name of Jesus, I command you to rise from the dead. And that person comes back to life. God gave you a gift of faith to operate, to do that, which was his will that you didn't have five minutes ago. That's the gift of faith. And we can all operate in that. It's an operation. It's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The gift of faith. Now, healing, miracles, prophecy, tongues is all... All the gifts of the Spirit, and everything we do miraculously, everything we do in the kingdom is by faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. When I'm talking about faith, I'm talking about something specific. There is a lot of confusion about what is faith. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I have faith. I'm full of faith. I believe in God. I know Jesus is my Savior, but I can't get anybody healed. It's because that's not what faith is. That is not what faith is. The centurion came to Jesus and said, My servant is sick. And he said, Jesus, I know all about you. You heal thousands of people. I know if you just say a word, he's going to be healed. I have confidence. I have confidence that if you speak a word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, Wow, what great faith. Faith is confidence that... God wants this to happen, and it's going to happen. When I pray for someone who has carpal tunnel in their wrist, I have a, a lot of faith for that. Why? Because I've seen hundreds of people healed of carpal tunnel. When I'm confronted with somebody who has, needs a new meniscus in their knee, I ha, inside of me, I have this confidence. I know if I pray for that person, they're going to get healed. I just have confidence that's faith. Biblical faith is uh, the confident expectation of what we ask for, according to the writer of Hebrews. Okay, it's the confident expectation that what we ask for is going to be granted. It's confidence. That's faith. It's not just knowing that God exists. It's not just knowing that Jesus is your Savior. It's not just knowing that God heals. Okay, faith is specific. When Jesus said to the disciples, after they could not cast a demon out of a boy in Matthew 17, they came to him and said, Lord, why could we not cast it out? And he said, because of your unbelief. Because if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move, and it will be moved, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, he was talking about faith, mustard seed. And a lot of people think, well, I have faith as small as a mustard seed. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Small faith doesn't heal anyone. Jesus commended the Roman centurion because he had great faith. If you go to the parable of the mustard seed, Jesus said the kingdom of God is likened to a mustard seed, which is, although it is the smallest of seeds, grows into a huge tree. Faith has to grow. Small faith does not work miracles. We need our faith to grow. Well, how does your faith grow? By doing the stuff. The more you prophesy, the more you speak in tongues, The more you pray for people to be healed, your faith is going to grow. Your confidence is gonna grow. And you have to get breakthrough at some point. And you're never going to get that faith unless you start doing the stuff. You have to start laying hands on people to be healed. You have to start casting in demons. And the nice thing about emotional healing is it requires no faith at all. That is the coolest thing. Emotional healing is completely devoid of faith. It's not an issue of power and it's not an issue of authority. It has nothing to do with faith. Emotional healing is a mechanical process where you introduce a person to Jesus and you say, I want you to give your emotion to Jesus and ask him to heal the wound in your soul. And they say, okay, Jesus, I give you my anger Heal a wound in my soul. And Jesus heals a wound in her soul. It has nothing to do with authority, nothing to do with faith, and it's not an issue of power. It's relationship. You're introducing them to Jesus, and he is doing everything. That's what I love about emotional healing. It doesn't re- if I'm in a bad mood, if my faith isn't very good, it doesn't matter. Emotional healing always works because it's all Jesus doing it. But everything else we do is dependent on confidence that God is going to do what he said he would do. And if you're lacking in faith, God can give you a supercharger. Oh, Lord, help my unbelief. Okay, bam. (laughs) He just supercharges your faith. You are full of doubt and unbelief. One minute, the next minute, you're, get out of here in the name of Jesus. I command you right now in the authority of the name of Jesus. And boom, that person's healed. Okay, That is the gift of faith. This is another tool, right? So we have, let's see, God's presence, authority, power, emotional healing, uh, deliverance, uh, revelation, words of knowledge, where God specifically, right? Gift of faith is another tool. If you are operating from a, from a mindset of unbelief and you're just struggling, ask God to give you the faith. It's legal. You can do that. It's in the Bible. Say, Lord, help my unbelief. I need a gift of faith. And he can supercharge your faith so you can do the things today you couldn't do yesterday. He will do it. There's a lot of tools that God has given us to do healing, miracles, and deliverance. I'm just illustrating a few of them and how they work. But eventually, it's going to need to get around to us deciding we're going to do this stuff. We're going to lay hands on people. We're going to get them healed. We're going to submit to the healing process. We're going to let God heal our junk from our past. We're going to exercise authority. We're going to release power. We have to start doing it. And if you have not done it yet, I would strongly encourage you to take the information you've gotten today and start operating in it. Pray for people at work. Pray for people at the gas station. Right? I mean, Jesus said, whatever city you visit, heal the sick that are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come. It's pretty simple. Like, just go pray for people and say, oh, hey, want to see the kingdom of God? Check this out. Boom. You're going to get healed.